0: Welcome to Eric Hurst's Training for Climbing Podcast. Training for Climbing Podcast. Training for Climbing. Training for Climbing. Training for Climbing. Hello, and welcome to the Training for Climbing Podcast. I'm Eric Hurst, and I'm here with the second in a series of four podcasts on the topic of tendon and ligament training. And I hope you'll find this information to be enlightening and empowering. You know, this is a subject I've been researching in-depth for nearly three years. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of new information, new research studies, some quite important uh, just in the last few years. And much of what you've learned or read or think you know about tendons and ligaments may be wrong and this new information i think it's revolutionary for climbers and this podcast we're going to go a little deeper into our study which began last month go back and revisit podcast 33 if you haven't listened to it at least once already do so it sets the stage for this podcast and the next two where we're going to get into training modalities to make tendons and ligament pulleys stronger and stiffer. And then in the final podcast, take a look at what you can do if you have a tweak or have developed some tendinopathy. What are the training and nutritional interventions that may help get you back into the game? So there's a lot of rich information here. We're going to be breaking new ground in this podcast, as we did in the last and as we'll do in the next couple of podcasts. And uh, I think this is information that I'm so excited about, passionate about, sharing with you guys because, again, it's stuff that you're probably not aware of. Let's start off with a question. Think about this one. What sport is as hard on tendons and ligaments as climbing? You know, there's a lot of sports out there that can precipitate injury, an ACL injury to the knee or an ankle sprain or runners can develop tendinopathy in the Achilles tendon or the patellar tendon. You know, many sports produce soft tissue injuries. Many of them are overuse injuries, not acute injuries. And that's certainly the case in climbing as well. And with climbers, it's the fingers and elbows and shoulders, which are the Achilles heel, I guess you might say, of many hard training, enthusiastic and passionate climbers and when you think about how delicate and small the tendons are in our fingers and especially those pulleys that hold the flexor tendons close to the bone those those ligament pulleys are you might say diminutive they're only one millimeter to at most two millimeters thick but yet they have to carry tremendous force i mean think about it Uh, as you advance up the grades of climbing you're carrying perhaps 50% of your weight at times on just the first pad of three or four fingers. And as you become an elite climber, climbing 513 or 514, then you may be pulling nearly your body weight on the tips of a few fingers, and of course, all of that force is transmitted through the flexor tendons, which are supported by those thin ligament pulleys. And so, with this understanding, it should be no surprise that some climbers injure their fingers. Now, let's step back for a second. The force when you're gripping the rock comes from the muscles in the forearms, but yet that force is carried to your fingertips through a series of collagen-based tissues. First of all, the extracellular matrix, which is the collagen that surrounds the muscle fibers and groups the muscle fibers, it gathers and transfers the force created by the contractile proteins within the muscles, transmits that to the tendons, which then of course transmit the force to the phalanges so that you can maneuver your fingers to crimp and open hand and pinch the rock. What's more, you have those small pulleys in your fingers. Again, they're actually little ligaments that hold the flexor tendon near the bone. And these pulleys, of course, are highly strained, repeatedly so. In fact, if you think about a day of climbing or a couple of hours in the gym training or a fingerboard or a campus board workout, you are loading those finger flexor tendons and those ligament pulleys hundreds of times per workout, and in the case of an advanced climber, forcefully loading them, dynamically loading them, dozens or hundreds of times in a row. And sadly, sometimes those pulleys partially tear or even completely rupture in a severe case, which is a really debilitating injury that may require surgery if you actually tear more than one of the ligament pulleys. More common is a tweak that causes pain, causes a setback, and can be a devil to resolve and to get healed up. And so ultimately, the best strategy is to do things to avoid injury in the first place. And perhaps you remember the number one rule of Eric's Train Club is don't get injured. And of course, that's our goal here in the Training for Climbing podcast to give you good information on training and today on training tendons and ligaments and what types of interventions you can use to lower your risk of injury, make those tissues stronger, and hopefully avoid becoming one of the injured reserve, which are sadly so common these days among strong, passionate, hard training, hard bouldering, hard sport climbing climbers. Okay, so moving on here, ponder this. You could have the best climbing technique, the most dedication, the strongest forearm muscles, and the best diet, the complete picture, you're putting it together because climbing is so important to you, yet it's all for naught if you get an injured finger. Just tweaking one finger tendon pulley and it can be the end of your climbing season. It could take you out of competition for a season. It could be a big setback just in terms of training and your development, which climbing is a sport that you can develop season over season, year over year for a long time and have an upward trajectory for many years. Unless you suffer an injury, then you have a setback and that trajectory is thrown off for an indefinite period of time, perhaps forever in a worst case scenario. So given this Perspective, every serious climber should move to the top of their training to do list maintain healthy sinew, build stronger, stiffer tendons and ligament pulleys. It's paramount. So, this sounds like the obvious thing to do, yet many climbers don't get it. They abuse their tendons as if they're steel cables, and then they curse the climb or the exercise or the entire day that they get injured. In the next podcast in this series, I'm going to get more into the exercise physiology of tendons and how you can train them to become stiffer and stronger over time. But I do want to give you here just a few critical bullet points. First of all, tendons and those ligament pulleys and the extracellular muscle matrix that runs through your your contractile fibers They're all collagen-based structures. They're highly hydrated, so they exhibit viscoelastic properties that can store and release energy, something that's so important to hard climbing. Every dead point move, every powerful movement you make, you're storing and releasing energy from these collagen-based tissues. And by the way, these tissues are largely avascular, which means they have poor blood flow. So unlike muscles, which have rich blood flow, during exercise and even lasting after exercise is ended sinew do not and so they are poorly nourished by blood flow another key point is that hard workouts and hard days of climbing cause microdamage to the collagen this turnover this degradation occurs for up to 24 hours after the end of exercise Fortunately, there's a protracted period of collagen synthesis for 72 hours or more. So, there's the breakdown during and following exercise, but there's a regeneration of collagen in the 72 hours that follow. With enough rest and adequate nutrients, the tendons and ligaments remodel. They get slightly stronger, a little stiffer, and over the long-term, perhaps even a little thicker. Of course, without adequate rest after an intensive climbing or finger training workout and without the appropriate nutrients to support this synthesis, this collagen synthesis process, then these connective tissues, these structures gradually degrade and get weaker and weaker until wham, you have a tweak you have a tear of a tendon, or more long-term, you gradually develop some tendinopathy, say in your elbow or shoulder. So, with regard to those common A2 and A4 pulley injuries, where there's a single move or a climb that tweaks you, it's kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back. It wasn't that move that totally precipitated the injury But instead, everything that led up to that point contributed to the injury, a pattern of perhaps overtraining and undernourishing your tendons and ligaments, the connective tissue getting progressively weaker week over week and month over month until wham, you get that A2 pulley tweak. So, it wasn't that one move that is to curse But really, a pattern of behavior and a lack of recovery in the connective tissues in the weeks and months leading up to that injury. You know, a totally healthy tendon or ligament, it's very rare that it tears and gets injured. There's usually more to the story. In terms of this process of nourishing the tendons so that they can. Regenerate so that collagen synthesis can carry on at a rapid pace. Something new that's just been really discovered in recent years is that sinew, tendons, and ligaments get much of their nutrition during exercise as a result of mechanical loading, which squeezes some fluid out of the tendon. I mentioned in the previous podcast that when you forcefully weight a tendon, it's kind of like a sponge being squeezed and the water flows out of the sponge. And then you let go of the sponge if it's in water and it soaks the water back up. Well, there's this fluid diffusion that is ongoing in tendons and ligaments as they are being mechanically loaded. And it's this flow of synovial fluid in and out of the tendons, which turns out to be the more important method of nourishing tendons. And so when your workout's over, when the mechanical loading ends there's not much nourishment going on anymore. And the blood flow that continues to your muscles after a workout does little for the connective tissues, which have poor blood flow. And so it turns out that this process of mechanical loading is not only what stimulates the collagen synthesis, but it's also the process by which much of the nourishment is drawn into the connective tissues. And so it should become obvious to you then that you need to feed the tendons, the ligaments, before you exercise so the nutrients can be drawn into the connective tissues. Well, what are the nutrients we're interested in? Well, most specifically, the amino acids glycine and proline because about one third of a collagen molecule is glycine and practically another third is proline or hydroxyproline. So if you can consume foods rich in glycine and proline and hydroxyproline 30 to 60 minutes before you mechanically load your tendons and ligaments, you are putting yourself in an optimal position to get those nutrients into the tendons as you exercise so that when the exercise is over, the collagen synthesis can ramp up quickly and support a return of homeostasis as soon as possible. So, given all of this information that I've presented here, think about climbers' MOs when it comes to training and climbing. Typically, we train fasted, or at least with an empty stomach. And so, there isn't a high level of glycine and proline available to the tendons and ligaments to soak up. What's more, the post-exercise meals that we consume or protein that we consume, while it's readily shuttled to the muscles, which have excellent blood flow after exercise, far fewer nutrients are reaching the sinew post-exercise. And so, given all this, is it any wonder that so many climbers get injured with a long-term pattern of, let's say, undernourishing their sinew before exercise. And then of course, enthusiastic climbers, myself included, tend to push the envelope when it comes to training, often maybe doing too many hard days in a row and giving our connective tissues too little time to recover. We tend to judge recovery on muscle soreness. And when our muscles are recovered, we say, hey, we're ready to go but are the connective tissues recovered? In many cases, they are not because they recover more slowly because of the poor blood flow, because of the poor nutrition. So anything you can do training and nutritionally to intervene, to promote the process of collagen synthesis and recovery of connective tissues is something that will presumably reduce injury risk and get you back to full strength. Not only the muscle fibers, but also the connective tissues, the force transfer proteins really being as critical or more critical to get recovered fully as the contractile proteins. Okay, so enough with the exercise science for now. You know me, we're going to revisit that. And especially in the next podcast, we're going to drill down into training interventions. But what I want to tell you about here is the nutritional intervention side of things. And if you listen to the last podcast, you know that I started a new brand called Fizzy Vantage. It was something that came about organically. I did not set out to start a climbing brand, a, a performance nutrition product line. It happened because of the research I was doing and seeing this new research and getting so excited about it for myself, for my family, for my clients. I developed these products and then eventually came to the conclusion that all enthusiastic climbers need access to these products as well. And so here I am uh, last month launching the Fizzy Vantage brand. And while we have two nutritional products and a third coming this summer, our flagship product is supercharged collagen. This is not the generic collagen that I like to joke is for a grandma. For hair and nails. Uh, that's how it's often marketed. Supercharged collagen is based on the recent research being done by a small number of scientists who have developed these novel nutritional protocols to support collagen synthesis. And so what I've done with my supercharged collagen is really, starting from scratch, developed a totally novel product that does not exist anywhere in the world right now. Um, and it has. it's comprised of a top grade collagen peptide powder. It's vitamin C enhanced, which is one of the critical things that uh, is utilized in the research. And it's also leucine enriched because collagen is actually low in branched chain amino acids. And leucine is an important amino acid for signaling protein synthesis. And collagen the, that comprises our connective tissues is a protein. And there's a few other things added to it as well that really makes it the ultimate collagen peptide supplement for hard training athletes. So if you visit my website, fizzyvantage.com, you can learn a lot more about uh, supercharged collagen, and you will come to see that it's completely different from the generic collagen that is readily available on the internet, which Much of it is junk collagen. You don't know where it came from. Some of it comes from China. It's mostly private label product. You don't know what the source is, the purity is, the quality is. Whereas I set out to develop from scratch a top tier, totally unique, totally advanced product that I would be proud to put my name on and stand behind. And that's exactly what I've developed. Okay, so the rest of this podcast is going to be three parts. First, I'm going to give you just a brief history of Fizzy Vantage, how this company came about. And then two, I'm going to give you just a brief review of the research. There are more than a dozen studies that I drew on in developing this product, and I'm going to give you insight into just a half a dozen of them. You can find all of the references and a lot more of the science on the Fizzy Vantage website. And then the third part will be um, a few Q&As. I've gotten a lot of questions from people on how to implement or use the product and what it will do or what they will feel. And I'm gonna answer some of those questions here at the end of the podcast. So let's move on. How did Fizzy Vantage and Supercharged Collagen come about? Well, I need to go back almost three years ago. Uh, you know, I've been climbing 40 years, I'm in my 50s, and I just started to experience some tweaks, some things that I've never had before. I developed proximal hamstring tendinopathy. As a runner of 40 years, I never had any hamstring injuries, but yet here I had one at age 52. But it gets worse. I also developed a midline abdominal hernia. Kind of the connective tissue between my abdominals split, and I actually needed a small surgical repair. Again, how did this happen? I've got to be one of the most healthy 52-year-olds on the planet. As a climber of 40 years, I've taken good care of my body. I know what to do with training, how to take care of my body. And yet I was developing pains. I developed some shoulder pain, which I've never had before. And I had a couple of A2 pulley tweaks, which, you know, I've had those over the years. Most climbers do at some point. But I had One that was really unusual, it was in my pinky and never before did I tweak an A2 pulley in my pinky. And so that kind of just got me thinking, is this the end of my climbing career in terms of training hard and climbing hard? Is just this aging thing got me uh, and is it taking me down? So I began research because I'm determined and I refuse to believe that uh, I can't continue on a path of enjoying climbing and hard training and hard climbing because, you know, that's important. That adds richness to my life. Sure, I like climbing routes of any grade, but I really like pushing myself, that focus, that energy, uh, that accomplishment when you send or do something that is extreme for you. I'm sure you can all relate to that. And so, I was determined and I spent weeks and months and hundreds of hours going through research, trying to unlock things that would help me as an aging athlete. Sarcopenia, which is the process of your muscle fibers, your contractile fibers, weakening as you get older. That's a hot topic and uh, something that, of course, an aging athlete needs to uh, fight. But what really caught my eye is that after the age of 30, the turnover in collagen in your body starts to slowly drop off. That's one of the reasons you start to develop wrinkles in your 30s, and they get deeper in your 40s and even deeper in your 50s. And uh, if your collagen turnover is dropping off in your skin, well, you can be sure it's dropping off elsewhere in your body as well, which means tendons and ligaments are recovering more slowly. The collagen synthesis that has to occur around the clock every day you're alive slows down. And so to a hard training athlete that continues into their 30s and into their 40s and into their 50s, the things they got away with in their 20s, they don't get away with anymore. And so you develop tendinopathy. You are more likely to get tweaked. There are other contributing factors, no doubt about it. I'm not saying that this is the only reason older athletes get injured. Uh, There are a myriad of factors, I'm sure, but this is a big one that I uncovered that I think related to me. And as I dug deeper into the research and, and really got to understand this process of how collagen is prolific in turning over in our bodies, even in you know, 20-something climbers, you're training hard, you're breaking down collagen, there's a turnover, and then there's a synthesis process afterwards that allows your connective tissues to recover and get stronger if they have time, if they have nutrients to do so. And so that was kind of the hook that caught me. And I recognize that this is a bigger topic than just something relevant to the aging Eric Hurst. This is something that is relevant to all climbers because, as we discussed earlier, climbers are as hard on their connective tissues, I believe, as any other athletes. And so, I ended up uncovering many clues that relates to older athletes. And I think I will do an entire podcast on that maybe this summer or in the fall for climbers that are, say, over 35. That's where things start to diminish. Your recovery diminishes. Your risk of injury perhaps increases. It gets a little easier to put body weight on. I mean, there's a lot of things that start to come or collude, let's say, to um, bring an end to your athletic and your climbing career. But that need not be the case. In your 30s or 40s or 50s, or I am hoping 60s or 70s, for that matter, and, and so that's a rich topic to explore later on. But let's stay focused here on what I discovered. And uh, again, there's a few key researchers who have made this their passion the last few years, and that is some of what we're going to explore here uh, later on in this podcast. But in any case. After my intensive two to three year study of sinew health and tendinopathy and nutritional interventions to all support sinew health and promote collagen synthesis, I kind of came to the conclusion this is material I needed to deliver to climbers, which is what I'm doing right now. But I also needed to give them the tools, the nutrients to help them get there. Because honestly, what I found is that glycine and proline rich foods are pretty rare out there. Although, animal products like red meat and fish and chicken, especially foods that you eat with the skin on them, are very rich in glycine and proline. But if you're like me, I don't eat a lot of meat. Maybe once or twice a week. That's it. It's just not my favorite food. It's not something I consume a lot of. I'm more of a vegetable and grain eater. And so, I'm not getting a lot of glycine and proline. Yes, if you put an effort out, you can get those amino acids elsewhere if you eat a lot of certain foods and put them together like a good vegan would do. But to the average climber, I'm betting that you are not getting enough glycine and proline. You know, a a study shown that you need probably on the order of 12 grams of glycine per day. That's the number one amino acid in that comprises collagen? Well, your body can make about two grams of glycine a day. That's not going to get you by, especially if you're a hard training athlete. You need to consume about five times that much. But if you're not eating meats on a daily basis, I doubt you're getting there. And so that is where the supercharged collagen comes in, because it turns out that gelatin and hydrolyzed collagen is the most rich food you can consume in terms of glycine and proline content. There is no other food that has more glycine per serving than gelatin. And hydrolyzed collagen is gelatin that's processed to be more digestible and easier to be um, taken into your bloodstream. And so hydrolyzed collagen peptides are the basis for my supercharged collagen, which is then enriched with vitamin C and leucine and tryptophan and a a few other things to make it the best product available for a hard-training athlete who wants to feed their sinew what they need. So kind of the bottom line is, again, I did not set out to start a business. At age 55, that's kind of the last thing I was thinking about doing. But what I learned compelled me that I needed to do this. And so here we are today. Now, naturally, there are some skeptics out there, people that either A, don't like vitamin supplements or any type of nutritional supplements. There are some hardcore people that think they can eat everything they need. And you know what? You can if you spend an hour a day preparing foods and really understand nutrition and how to combine foods to uh, make your diet rich in the vitamins and the various amino acids that you need. But The vast majority of people aren't able to do that. Probably 99% of people don't have the knowledge, the discipline, the wherewithal to put that all together. I know a couple of climbers who are. They're vegans who probably get it right or as close to right as they can Without eating animal products, but um, this new research is compelling, and you know there are some doctors and coaches and nutritionists who aren't even aware of this new research because some of it has been published just in the last three months, and much of it in the last three years. So unless you're following research and aggressively pursuing new knowledge, you may not be aware of these developments. And you know, I often comment to people that if you would have told me five years ago everything that I'm passing on to you now, I would have been skeptical. I would have probably not been a believer. But everything I know now and the body of evidence combined, you know, in aggregate, the studies have convinced me that this is likely something that works. Is it a sure thing? Heck, there are no sure things in life. And certainly when it comes to nutritional supplements, first of all, most supplements out there are bogus, right? They're frauds. Any, you know, those pills out there that are testosterone boosters, they don't work. There are a myriad of other products that promise this and promise that and have little science behind them or very poor science behind them. And then there's things that I believe have the potential to work, like branch chain amino acids, but yet the evidence is equivocal in terms of whether taking branched chain amino acids during exercise actually provide any benefit at all. It wouldn't hurt to try it. There's no downside, but there may not be any upside either. And even something like whey protein, which I'm a big consumer of post-workout for feeding my muscles with uh, the amino acids that are most important to contractile fiber recovery. Even whey protein, you could probably argue isn't worth the money you spend. Though as an athlete who doesn't eat much meat and has a tough time getting my protein uh, requirements, I think it is worth the money to buy a high quality whey protein isolate to consume after my workouts. So again, uh, supplements aren't for everybody and I understand the skepticism because there are so many scams out there, but I'm not the kind of person as a scientist, as a climber of 40 years as just someone who is um, a straight arrow. And so if I'm putting my name on it, again, I have a strong belief that the evidence is there. And more likely than not, this is a product that is benefiting me. I've been using it for a couple of years and I feel it's made a difference. My kids, my wife have been using it. A few of my clients have been using it. And now over the past few months, already more than 200 climbers In 15 countries, have begun to use supercharged collagen. So, it's really exciting to be sharing this technology with you and hopefully making a difference in your climbing, in your training, in your recovery, and in your health. Okay, so let's move on to the research, and I'm going to try to really fly through this because... You know, it's pretty intense stuff. If you want to dig into these papers, you can find the references on my website, but I'm just going to give you the uh, elevator pitch, let's say, you know, the very, very short version of, you know, kind of the conclusions, what caught my eye with each of these studies. And again, no single study tells the story, but in aggregate, I think the weight of the evidence is strongly in the favor of this new paradigm of feeding and training sinew to make them stronger, more bulletproof, and injury resistant. And so, let's begin with what I consider to be groundbreaking research by Keith Barr and Greg Shaw. And you know, this guy, Keith Barr, has a distinguished career in exercise physiology. He was 20 years ago, I believe one of the first guys to really identify mTOR as a critical signaling factor in muscle growth. And then he was also involved in identifying PGC1-alpha as a regulator of mitochondrial biogenesis. So this is no Johnny-come-lately when it comes to cutting-edge research in the field of exercise physiology. And You know, he runs a biophysics lab out of UC Davis, where I guess it was about five years ago, they began doing studies with engineered ligaments. You know, tendons and ligaments are very difficult to do studies on in a living human being, because you can't just remove the tendon after a training intervention or after a nutritional intervention and test it. With muscle studies, you can take a little needle and draw out some fibers, from the muscle and examine them a biopsy and draw some good conclusions from your exercise study let's say but with tendons it's trickier and so the natural place to begin was in the lab uh, in vitro engineering ligaments they would take remnants of acls when uh, a skier would blow out their knee and have an acl repair they would go to the hospital collect the remnants bring those cells back into the lab and then grow ligaments and tendons in the lab. And I believe they grew something like over a thousand of these engineered ligaments, and they exposed them to different training and nutritional interventions, and then over time expanded their studies into humans. Now, while the engineered ligaments they could test, and they did determine that the collagen content increased in those engineered tissues as a result of their interventions, and they also found that those engineered ligaments and tendons got stronger. They had improved mechanics as a result of consuming vitamin C-enriched gelatin. But then they moved on to human studies. Now, again, they couldn't remove the tendons and ligaments from the humans to test them, so they had to have another way to do it. And and so, the best way to do that currently is through blood markers of collagen synthesis, and they documented a doubling of collagen synthesis post-exercise when they employed their nutritional intervention of vitamin C enriched gelatin consumed 30 to 60 minutes before exercise. And so those guys got the ball rolling. And actually, they have both done additional studies and human case studies. And I believe Keith has another clinical trial underway right now. So the research continues. Uh, But let's move on. Next up, there's an Australian study actually just published a few months ago. They found that oral supplementation with collagen peptides combined with calf strengthening exercises enhanced function and reduced pain in Achilles tendinopathy patients. So that's a common injury amongst runners. And when they did isometric training combined with the nutritional supplement of collagen peptides, there was an improvement, reduced pain and improved function. So that's a step in the right direction. And perhaps in the next five years, we can do a similar study with climbers that have, say, elbow tendonitis. Next up is a nice case study from Keith Barr, who I just spoke glowingly of a few minutes ago. And it details the rehab of a professional basketball player with central core tendinopathy. That's a significant potentially career-ending injury. And by the way, these professional athletes, they are the early adapters of technology like this because there is so much money on the line. If you're a professional football or basketball or baseball or rugby player, your career can be short. It can end in an instant due to injury. And so these guys are sought out by these professional athletes. And these athletes are the first people to embrace these new strategies that I'm passing on to you in this podcast, and introducing to the climbing world. And so in Barr's case study here, which employed a long-term disciplined training and nutritional intervention to address this injury, did bring about a resolution. In fact, an independent orthopedic surgeon declared the player's tendon had returned to normal based on MRI results. And the author writes, this case study provides evidence that nutritional intervention combined with rehabilitation program can improve clinical outcomes in elite athletes. So again, it's a study of one, but it's another piece in the puzzle. Okay, moving on. Next up, uh, there's a 2017 study from Germany that showed that supplementation of collagen peptides in young adults with functional knee pain led to a statistically significant improvement in activity-related joint pain. And then another study from Penn State, my alma mater, that supports that uh, concept of reduced joint pain, uh, it was a big study. It involved, I believe it was over 100 varsity team and club sport athletes and they consumed hydrolyzed collagen daily for six months. And at the end of the study period, all the subjects were evaluated, and the results showed statistically significant changes in the hydrolyzed collagen group compared with the placebo group. The qualitative improvements included reduced joint pain at rest and while exercising. And last but definitely not least, is a brand new double-blind placebo-controlled study of athletes engaging in intense plyometric training. This was a randomized controlled trial examining whether consuming collagen peptides before and after strenuous exercise would alter markers of muscle damage, inflammation, and bone turnover. 48 hours post-exercise, A large effect size was evident and indicative of lower soreness in the collagen peptide group compared to the placebo group. What's more, the collagen peptide group recovered more quickly, as demonstrated by exercise testing performed 48 hours after the initial intensive workout. The author's conclusion was that daily hydrolyzed collagen use might help to accelerate the recovery of muscle function and attenuate muscle soreness following strenuous physical exercise. He goes on that this may be related to increased collagen synthesis in connective tissues surrounding the muscle. What he's talking about there is the extracellular matrix that I mentioned earlier. In any case, for a hard training climber and coach like me, this is like the aha moment. You know, plyometric training, plyometric movements, that is the stuff of hard climbing. If you watch a video of Margot Hayes doing biography, she... Dead pointed her way up that route. It was a beautiful thing to watch. But watch any elite climber or even any intermediate climber if they are savvy, if they understand movement, they are using dynamics, controlled dynamics on almost every move to some degree, which means they are storing and releasing energy in their extracellular matrix, in their tendons, with every single move. And so if consuming supercharged collagen, an advanced collagen peptide product, can accelerate recovery from plyometric training and strengthen the collagen structure that runs through the muscles and tendons, then this is truly something revolutionary for climbers. Okay, so enough with the research. For now, I promise we'll revisit some of these topics in the next couple of podcasts, but I want to wrap up this one with some Q and A's. I've gotten quite a few questions naturally, and I want to give some short answers because I'm sure many listeners are wondering the same thing. So question one is, will the Fizzy Vantage Supercharged Collagen fix my injury, my elbow tendonitis, my ruptured biceps, my A2 pulley strain or rupture? And the answer is No. This is not a miracle product. It is not medicine. It is a nutritional supplement that when combined with rehabilitation or, in the case of a healthy climber, combined with appropriate training of the finger flexors and the uh, various tendons and ligaments of the upper body that are strained in climbing, by incorporating the supercharged collagen into your routine pre-exercise it will help elevate collagen synthesis. It'll help recovery. It will hopefully make your connective tissues stronger and more injury resistant. Or if you are tweaked, it may help accelerate the recovery process. But again, it's one piece of the puzzle. And if you're not doing everything else right, there's probably no nutritional supplement that will help you out. Uh, You just can't rest an injury. It requires mechanical loading. It requires appropriate rehabilitation. So if you are injured, please don't look at my product as a quick fix. It's not. But it is something that will support your rehabilitation program and perhaps enhance it. And certainly in the case of an uninjured climber, it will give you the nutrients to hopefully recover more quickly and develop stronger, more robust tendons and ligaments. Next question is, what is the best usage? What are my recommendations for uninjured climbers? Just the passionate, hard-training climber that wants to do everything right. Uh, and so if that's you, well, then there's kind of two levels of commitment. The the first kind of the entry level, let's say, would be to consume a scoop of supercharged collagen, 10 to 15 grams is what we're talking about as a dose about 30 or 45 minutes before you do a finger training workout or a gym climbing workout. So if, if your workout of the day is fingerboard or campus board or system wall or moon board or going to the gym and doing a bunch of sport lead climbs, consuming supercharged collagen 30 to 45 minutes ahead of time, will elevate the glycine and the proline levels and the vitamin C and leucine levels in your bloodstream. And of course, some of these nutrients will make it into the synovial fluid and be drawn into the tendons during the mechanical loading, during your climbing workout. And this will set you up for a protracted period of collagen synthesis post-workout. So that's kind of the first tier of commitment, I guess you would say. The second tier, if you're really enthusiastic and want to employ this strategy to the fullest or let's say optimally then you would do what I do which is first of all every morning and when I say every morning I say 6 days a week because you know I, nobody can do something every morning except I guess wake up but uh, but for me 6 days a week when I'm at home first thing I consume my first cup of coffee, or for you it might be tea or juice or water, whatever, with a scoop or a scoop and a half of supercharged collagen. Again, 10 to 15 grams is the dose you're looking for. I consume that on an empty stomach, so I, you know after all-night fast, and then I do a very brief protective workout. And this isn't anything long and drawn out. I don't even put my climbing shoes on. All you really need to do is do some hangs on a hangboard, uh, nothing major you know, um, easy hangs, I guess you might classify it. You just need to mechanically load the tendons. I roll some dumbbells in my fingers. I do some reverse wrist curls. I do a variety of finger, elbow, and shoulder exercises. Basically, I spend just five or 10 minutes doing a variety of exercises for the fingers and for the wrist, and then I spend another five minutes working the elbows and the rotator cuff. It's not a hard workout. It's something I can do quickly before I begin my work for the day. And in your case, if you have a commute, you might even get a handheld squeeze device. And as you're sitting in traffic at a traffic light, do um, a minute of squeezing at every traffic light. Again, not seeking a pump, not seeking a hard workout, but just mechanically loading your tendons to squeeze that synovial fluid in and out of your tendons every morning, 30 to 45 minutes after consuming your supercharged collagen. So again, that's something I do six days a week. You might want to do six days a week to really try to promote collagen synthesis every single day. You wake up, get the process started. And then I do a second scoop of supercharged collagen before my afternoon or evening climbing workout. Now I only do that workout three or four days a week. So, uh, Again, 30 to 60 minutes before the workout I consume the supercharged collagen. Typically I drink it in coffee because I that, it it is unflavored, you can mix it into any beverage. But for me, it mixes beautifully in coffee. It doesn't affect the taste and uh, you know, the coffee is a nice thing that I enjoy before my workouts. On non-climbing days, I just have the one dose in the morning. I do the 15-minute protective session and I'm done. But this way, kind of the second tier of commitment, you are really making an effort to optimize collagen synthesis. And if you do this day over day, week over week, for months, or perhaps for as long as you climb, you will hopefully tip the scales in your favor to strengthen your connective tissues, reduce your injury risk, and help you recover from workouts more quickly, and hopefully keep you in the game for many years to come. Okay, the next question is, what if you are injured? What would Eric recommend you to do? And first of all, if you're injured, you should be seeing a physician, you should be seeing a physiotherapist, someone to help guide your recovery. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't want to give out medical advice. But you can use the supercharged collagen as I've described and as the research has shown, as the case studies have shown, to hopefully produce a synergistic effect where the training intervention and the nutritional intervention together are greater than the the sum of the individual parts. And so um, the the latest study from Keith Barr seems to show that especially in these uh, cases of injury, a larger dose, perhaps 15 to 20 grams of collagen, is ideal pre-workout or pre-rehabilitation to help uh, maximize the glycine and the the proline levels in the bloodstream. If you go any bigger than that on your dose, I don't think there's any additional benefit. Uh, In a rehabilitation setting, there's some belief that doing two or perhaps even three shorter sessions per day is better than doing one long, drawn out session. So, if you are rehabbing a finger injury or an elbow injury, doing two or three short sessions per day, each preceded by supercharged collagen, may put you on the fastest track to recovery as opposed to just doing one session a day or one session every other day. But again, Follow the advice of your physiotherapist first and foremost. The next question, what about use of supercharged collagen after a workout? Well, you know, supercharged collagen has a very unique amino acid profile because of the way I've enhanced it with branched-chain amino acids, particularly leucine, and adding tryptophan. So, it is the only collagen product that I know of enhanced in this way. It is a complete protein. So, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad source of protein post-workout, though I think a big scoop of whey protein is probably just as good, especially for addressing the muscles. Again, the collagen tissues aren't gaining much from those post-workout feedings. They get their nutrients from the pre-workout feedings that we've talked about. So, I I'm a big advocate and user of whey protein post-workout. But if you wanted to blend the two, that wouldn't be a bad idea. And I do that at times. Maybe three quarters of a scoop of whey protein and then three quarters of a scoop of supercharged collagen mixed up into juice or water or I use skim milk most of the time. That is a great post-workout protein feeding. Okay, moving on. I guess uh, two more questions here and then we'll wrap things up. Uh, This question is... Is there a vegan version of collagen? And of course, the answer is no, because collagen is, by its nature, it's an animal product. So there is no vegan version or vegan alternative. And the fact is that most vegan diets are relatively low in glycine and proline because of not consuming animal products. That being said, again, a, a, a dedicated, knowledgeable, disciplined vegan can have a an excellent diet with plenty of protein and probably a decent amount of glycine and proline as well if they are uh, very thoughtful in putting their meals together. Again, getting the pre-workout dose of glycine and proline, that might be more challenging for a vegan, but a high quality pea protein or soy isolate does have a decent amount of glycine and proline, but nowhere near the levels found in Gelatin or hydrolyzed collagen or in my supercharged collagen, and so um, vegans are a very special case. Again, I think with attention to detail, they can stay in the game and do an excellent job with their diet. But again, a lot of climbers just aren't that knowledgeable, and I don't think I'm not. I'm definitely not knowledgeable enough to to put it all together on a vegan diet and get the right amount of the right amino acids, but certainly there are some folks out there who can do it and can get it right. So it is possible. Okay, uh, moving on, the final question is how long does it take for the effects to be felt or for the effects to kick in? Well, you know, that first dose of supercharged collagen before your workout is going to spike the glycine and proline and vitamin C and leucine levels in your blood, and it's going to get drawn into the tendons. And so from the get-go, you are going to set yourself up to promote collagen synthesis post-workout. And you integrate that over days and weeks and months and perhaps years, and you're going to be, I believe, much better off than if you don't employ this nutritional intervention. But I don't know that you can say that you're going to feel that your tendons are stronger. Um, You know, you do whey protein after a workout. Do you feel like your muscles are stronger because of the whey protein? No, it's the workout and you trust that whey protein is good for muscle protein synthesis post-workout and you continue with the protocol indefinitely with the belief and the knowledge that there's evidence that whey protein is a good thing post workout. And that's kind of where we're at with the collagen supplementation pre-workout. Although, as I mentioned earlier, there are a few studies that show that daily long-term use, we're talking several months, did yield a statistically significant reduction in joint pain among Athletes, and I've even heard anecdotally from athletes using the product that uh, after a month or two they have noticed a reduction in joint pain, and that's something that's not uncommon in middle aged or older athletes, and even in some young athletes. You know, if you climb cracks or you're hard on your fingers your knuckles and joints can hurt. My kids, who are teenage climbers that are going through the growth spurt, have been consuming supercharged collagen as part of their nutritional strategy, and they've been able to navigate the whole growth plate issue fairly well. We haven't had any injuries, and they've been able to climb hard throughout the growth spurt. That's not saying that the supercharged collagen was a big difference maker, but I certainly think it didn't hurt. And perhaps it helped along in their process. You know, teenagers turn over collagen at a super high rate. They lay down collagen at a super high rate. So it makes sense that providing some additional glycine and proline to their nutrition would be a very good thing for a hard training youth athlete, as well as an adult athlete. Okay, so we are coming up on an hour and I hope you found it to be a very enlightening, interesting, perhaps exciting hour, uh, because of the prospects it holds to develop a stronger, more robust body going forward so that you can continue to train hard and climb hard and pursue your goals and your passion in climbing. And hopefully you sense my passion in this topic. Again, this is something I kind of stumbled into over the last few years, and now I'm running. I'm hitting the ground running because I believe in it so much. I've dedicated the last two years of my life to starting this business. The products are research-based, they're athlete-tested, they are premium-grade, they are novel. There's nothing really like the two products I have out there. Uh, They are unique. And my third product's coming out this summer. I hope you'll stay tuned and learn more about in the coming months as well. Anything that I am putting out there to the community that I am selling, I believe in, has a benefit. It's not wasted money. Again, if you're not doing everything else right or most of the things right in your climbing, in your training, in your life, then perhaps it is wasted money. A lot of supplements surely are, but these, I believe, have valid benefits that will enhance what you do, strengthen your body, and improve your climbing performance for many seasons to come. If you visit the website fizzyvantage.com and decide to place an order... I have a special discount for my podcast listeners. This is an exclusive 15% discount. At checkout, use the discount code PODCAST15. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-5, PODCAST15, and you'll get 15% off non-sale items that you order. Just a couple more things that I want to mention As part of my travels this summer, I'll be appearing at three great events. And if you don't have summer plans yet, and one of these sounds interesting to you, then you ought to check out the website and see if it's something you can maybe set up and schedule. Um, First up is the 26th Annual Lander International Climbers Festival. That's July 10 to 14. I think I've been at about 15 or 18 of these events. climbers festivals and they're great events it's one of my favorite towns the climbing is wonderful it's a a tremendous crowd there's top tier pro athletes there that you can interact with and if you sign up early get to do a clinic with go climbing with that's pretty cool and i'll be doing a clinic as well as i do most years uh, at the climbers festival then in august two events in canada the first one is in Toronto, August 6th to 9th. That's the Canada Strong Climbing Coaches Conference designed for youth and adult coaches. This conference provides professional development and mentor support for coaches working with both youth and adult competition climbing teams. Coaches from across Canada and the United States are welcome to attend this conference from all levels of sport, club, state, regional, national, and international. Check out canadastrongclimbing.ca for more information. And then the second event, which I'll be speaking at for the second time, is the Climbing Medicine Canada conference that's going to be held this year, August 12 to 14th in Squamish, British Columbia. And uh, this has more of a medical focus, though also a performance focus. Um, the first Canadian Climbing Medicine Symposium was held in Toronto Ontario in 2017 and I spoke at that event it was a great event and uh, so they're having their second go at it and I expect an even bigger and better event this time around visit climbingmedicine.com for more information and again uh, this year the symposium will be three days long There'll be tremendous speakers, surgeons, physiotherapists, and other medical professionals. There'll be discussions, lectures, hands-on activities relating to sport climbing-related health, medicine, social sciences, and performance. And one more thing, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your climbing partners and friends, and please share a link to to this podcast on your website or social media or Facebook page. Do write an iTunes review if you haven't already. And of course, visit my new brand, Fizzy Vantage. That's P-H-Y-S-I-V-A-N-T-A-G-E.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST15 to save 15% off your first order. And I look forward to you becoming part of the Fizzy Vantage team and helping you become a stronger, higher-performing climber. Well, that does it for this episode of the Training for Climbing podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, be safe, be strong, and climb on.